Welcome to the CBIA BizCast powered by Google. On this podcast, we dive into stories about Connecticut businesses. Downs Construction actually came to my school. And business leaders. I think it's always also really important to be able to see a path forward. We're shaping the future of Connecticut's economy. Thanks for joining us. I'm Amanda Marlowe with CBIA, and today we are joined by Leander Dolphin, the managing partner at Shipman and Goodwin. Thank you very much. Welcome to the podcast. I'm thrilled to be here. And we do want to mention that Leander is going to be hosting our annual When Women Leave conference on May 18th. We're going to be hearing from so many inspirational leaders um, throughout Connecticut, including yourself. But Thank today, you. this is really a chance to learn a little bit about you. Thank you. I'm looking forward to the event. Uh, I know there'll be incredible women both um, on the panels and also attending. So looking forward to it. So let's start. You have really, you started at Shipman um, many years ago, left, came back, and now you're the managing partner. Um, You know, a role that so many people are just overjoyed by (laughs) you having. Um, Tell me a little bit, let's start from the beginning. You went to Wesleyan undergrad? Yes, I went to Wesleyan, um, which was wonderful. Um, And I studied uh, English, African-American studies and women's studies there. Um, I was very spoiled. Wesleyan education is like none other, right? You just um, get to be, you know, the best of yourself. Um, And what I wanted to do when I went to Wesleyan was I wanted to be an English professor. I wanted to write books, uh, and I wanted to focus my study on African-American literature, particularly by women. So my majors really (laughs) meant that all I did for almost all four years um, was study um, African-American literature written by women, and it was fantastic. And at what point did you say... I didn't want to be a, a professor anymore. It's a good question. Um, I um, wrote my honors thesis, um, and uh, which was a great project. I um, received a grant to study in St. Lucia, which is where I was born, um, to study the griot tradition, uh, folkloric tradition, and, and write my stories based on that tradition. So I did that. I had a wonderful time, um, and writing that thesis was really difficult. (laughs) Um, It's a little bit like, at that time I hadn't given birth, but I thought it was like giving birth to a child because it's just your creative um, child (laughs) being submitted for this panel to review. And um, my professor um, advisor at the time, Dr. Pemberton, said, you know, you're very talented, but you lack discipline. (laughs) And uh, if you really want to focus on this, I'd like you to look around at the professors here who are living the life that you say you want and decide if that's really the career that you want. Uh, And what she also said to me was, I think you should be doing something else. I think you should be out there. I don't think you should be in an office um, researching and writing. Um, It was harsh, (laughs) um, but I needed to hear it. Um, I did very well. I got high honors on my thesis, which is distinction. Um, but it, it made me pause because this is someone I trusted and someone who I think trusted that I was talented, but also saw that there might have been something else that I should be doing. Um, and I appreciated the advice, which was be sure that this is what you want to do and look at other people who are doing the thing that you think. Um, and I decided I didn't actually want to do that. So my first job out, um, 
a Wesleyan was for a criminal justice consulting firm. Um, and what we did was we went into prisons um, and um, did some work with therapeutic communities. Um, the organization I worked for um, also studied uh, the demographics uh, and the numbers of prisons. It was very staggering. So being the person who collected all of the data about our prison system in the United States um, was very sobering um, and also got me to shift a little bit that I wanted to do work that was impactful and that had a policy bent. Uh, and that was what led me to, to apply to law school. I also thought that going to law school would um, sort of lean towards my talents, which was writing <laughs> and, um, and uh, speaking, which I also thought I was good at. Um, and, and it turned out that that was right. So I'm glad that I made that decision. I miss writing still, um, and I'm working on being, going back to being more creative, uh, like I used to um, before law school. But, um, but I've made the right career choice. Wow, that's yeah. such an interesting story. Yeah. And it's those people in your life that, yeah. you know, have to have those harsh conversations. I believe that um, it is important to listen well. Um, even when it's something that you don't think you want to, to hear, um, because often those are the people who are giving you the gift of sort of foresight. They have seen something. Uh, and it wasn't that it wasn't affirming. She was just asking me to ask myself hard questions. Um, and she was also being honest about, at that time, certainly my lack of discipline. Um, because, I, you know, she says, if you want to be this great American writer, you have to write every day. And you're not doing that <laughs> for this thesis. Um, and you know that maybe one day I will write every day. But that was what was going to be necessary to get me from just being someone who was a kid with talent and someone who really was going to write like, the great novel that, that I thought I was going to write. All right, so fast forward yeah. several years. You're in your first run yes. <laughs> at Shipman and Goodwin. Yes. Um, tell me about that experience being, you know, a young lawyer um, yeah. in a big firm. And a big firm. So I went to Howard Law in Washington, D.C., and Shipman recruited me from Howard. And um, my husband is from New Haven, so we really thought we wanted to be back in Connecticut. And uh, when I interviewed at lots of different firms in Connecticut, Shipman was the place that really felt like it was the right home for me. Um, you know, it's fast, really interesting. The reason I chose Shipman, one of the reasons I chose Shipman, was because one of the people who interviewed me asked to read that honors thesis that I wrote in, in college. Um, and I thought, that's got nothing to do with law. But she was so interested in me as a person. Um, that meant a lot to me, that she was focused more on who I was than the fact that I'd gone to law school and I had done well, right? So I chose uh, Shipman, and I started, and I, I remember um, feeling a little bit like a fish out of water um, because um, law firm corporate life is, <laughs> was new. Um, and I really wanted to be a litigator. I thought that I, would, I wanted to be in court. Um, I loved the storytelling part of being a litigator. I still do. Um, and I, you know, wanted to be as open to the experience as possible. At the time, my husband and I had just been, we got married when I was in law school. Um, so we didn't have any children. And it was just get in there and work as hard as you can. Um, and then I got pregnant uh, two years in. Uh, and then I started thinking maybe, maybe I don't want to be in private practice because I couldn't figure out where to draw the lines between what it took to be a successful lawyer in private practice 
and what I thought I wanted to be as a mom who was present. Um, and uh, that's a decision a lot of people. I agree. Make. Yeah, I think so. And you know, I have learned that it didn't need to be that extreme, right? It's true. There really is more of a medium, a nuanced position. It isn't one or the other, or it shouldn't be. Um, but at the time, as a young mom, um, I, I really couldn't figure out how to do it well. Um, and I felt sort of adrift. And um, I had a client who had become a friend, um, uh, you know, who called about an opportunity at the Girl Scouts that she'd been offered, but for her, it wasn't the right time in her career to do that role. And so she called and said, would you be interested in, in doing this role? Um, and I jumped at it because it was about girls. <laughs> and I was all about, uh, I went to an all girls high school. I studied women's studies um, and I, it was a passion of mine. And it felt like the right thing to do at the time. It's, you know, nonprofit. Um, it was a leadership position. I, you know, I got to work directly with the CEO. Um, and it was a time of tremendous change at the Girl Scouts. So I was going to going there to be a change agent, which I also was very excited about. Very attractive. Yeah. You know, for everything that you were going through in your life. Exactly. And there was an opportunity. Yes, it was. Um, and I loved it. Um, it was hard because it required me to stretch. I was still a fairly new lawyer. So becoming the chief legal person um, for it, you know, the organization was multi-million dollars in, in our budget. It was statewide. We had hundreds of employees. Um, and running the HR department and also being the legal officer meant that I could be doing things like um, negotiating a cell phone tower lease <laughs> on one of our many camps. Um, or there was a student on Candlewood Lake who may have gotten injured. Like my, my practice was very big and very diverse and uh, it required me to stretch quite a bit. Did you ever think, what am I doing? This was too big, I'm not ready. <laughs> I think that there were moments where I thought, I, you know, it was bigger than I expected going in, right? Which naive, naivete is sometimes a gift. Um, but the CEO at the time, Jennifer Smith Turner, she was very supportive and she taught me a lot about business and about um, how to be an executive. Um, and that's probably the thing that I got most out of the Girl Scouts experience, that, um, that there was a way to combine purpose with business and being an, an executive leader. Um, and so that was fantastic. Um, and so when I went back to Shipman, I was a better lawyer because I had been someone in business and I had been someone um, who knew how to lead an organization. Uh, I had been the client, right? Um, and so that experience made me a much better lawyer than if I would have just stayed at Shipman. And was that a tough decision to return? No, because, um, you know, I'd been there for two years and the CEO who, you know, I'd gotten to know very well, she was thinking about what her next steps were going to be. And she was thinking that in a few years that she might not be the CEO anymore uh, and that that might be an opportunity for me. And I was not ready then to say that I wanted to leave the practice of law. And although I loved the organization and the mission and the work, um, I also learned that I was still the same person I was at Shipman. I still was a workaholic. <laughs> I still was working until all hours of the night and the weekends. I still was struggling to be a good mom in my mind. 
even though I was not in private practice. So and those were some of the reasons. Those were some of the reasons I left. left. Exactly. And so that learning that I was really the same person, that it wasn't situational, that I was the person who was sort of in control of, of my, um, my work day <laughs> and the things I said yes to um, and my choices. Um, and I be candid, I think that if I had not first left Shipman to do this kind of higher level role, uh, which stretched me and forced me to learn about myself and what I was capable of, and also thought about going back to the firm um, where I, I felt empowered to choose. I felt that I was more mature than when I left. Um, and I felt I understood better what it required to be the person in charge of my life. And you've been very successful at the firm. Yes, I've been very fortunate, <laughs> but very successful in that um, when I went back to the firm, I wasn't a partner. Um, and, you know, it's actually, I was talking to um, my partner, Anne, about this. Because I left the firm, I was sort of off the partner track. Um, and so coming back to the firm meant that we had to kind of figure out where I fit in, right? And the first year that I would have been um, up for a promotion to partner, um, I was deferred a year. And that was also a good thing because I had all this very good business experience, but I had not been practicing in the private practice for the whole time. So that defer def deferral could have been, I think, um, an obstacle. I really saw it as an opportunity, um, and that really changed the trajectory. That extra year really helped. Um, and so when I was up the next year, then I, I, when I became an equity partner at the firm, um, I was, at the time, the first um, black woman to become an equity partner at the firm, and our firm was, had been around for 100 years. Um, and it, it felt like a big deal, um, and it felt um, that I was very much seen, um, and that there was a path for me to be successful at the firm. So uh, that was sort of, you know, how we um, started on my path to leadership at the firm. You know, I think I was asked to do, you know, be on certain committees or to run our diversity, equity, and inclusion committee. Um, but that was not the only thing I was asked to do. And that was important to me too, because I've, I've all often said, just because I'm a black woman doesn't mean I'm a diversity professional. <laughs> and so there are people who study this and who um, could offer organizations advice on how to do it better. Um, but I did think I had a perspective that was important and I was at a place that welcomed that, which was very helpful. And you had a past where you were very interested in, you know, the history of exactly. black women, which, exactly. you know, in and itself teaches you a lot. It did. I mean, it, it taught me a lot about the feminist movement and it taught me a lot about, um, you know, sort of the gaps in uh, the workplace for women and particularly women of color. Um, and that knowledge gave me sort of, a, again, a different perspective on the world. Um, I knew that it required me to work hard um, and to be excellent, frankly. Um, but I also knew that in order to navigate this world, that I would have to be open to um, doing things differently um, and to learning and to making mistakes as well. Um, and it was important, as I said, that I was at a place that had whatever they had spent the last 99 years doing, <laughs> they were ready for um, someone like me. Um, and I never really felt shortchanged, which was very good. 
What What other things are you doing now, um, you know, in the past couple of years that you feel like have continued to help embrace that for other people? Yeah. So at the firm or yes. personally? Um, in both. Sure. Yeah. So what I became a, the managing partner um, two years ago, um, and I was part of the leadership team, um, and uh, that was you know, stepping, I had been on the management committee, which runs the firm generally, mm -hmm. and then the managing partner Yeah, you had been making, that. helping make decisions Exactly, for a while. For a while. Um, and I found that I, I've never been shy about my voice, so that's helpful. <laughs> but I found that I could um, persuade people or, or encourage them to look at things more broadly, and that that was having an impact on, on our firm in general. Um, we did trainings that, you know, implicit bias trainings. We, um, you know, we dedicated an entire partner retreat on the topic. Um, and we then implemented that throughout the firm. So when we are making decisions about compensation, for example, which is one of the places where there is a disparity um, across the country, um, we make sure that we first train the committee on implicit bias and how it shows up in the room, not just for women, but for people of color, people with, with disabilities. You know, um, So that helps people be more conscious <laughs> when they're making the decisions, that they are not letting um, whatever their implicit biases may be sort of guide their decision making. Very proud of that. And I think we don't get it perfect because I think every organization continues to work on these issues, but I'm proud that it is top of mind all the time. And I'm most proud that I'm not the person who has to bring it up, right? There might have been a time, 15 years ago, where I needed to be in the room to be able to say these things. And now, I don't. Other people are having these conversations, and, and that means that there really has been systemic change and improvement. Um, so I'm very proud of that. It's a culture, really. Right. It's an expectation <laughs> about who we are. We say that diversity is a core value at the firm. And what does that look like? Uh, that looks like we're not afraid to have those tough conversations. It looks like we are seeking people who might not otherwise be in the room to provide them with opportunities, that we focus on equity and fairness. Um, and I think that we all feel better about our work when we are confident that we are doing those things. Um, and it, it frees us up a little bit which is good. And, you know, with that diversity, you create these opportunities. Yeah. Um, you had some opportunities thanks to, obviously, the work you did, but also yeah. maybe some work that other people helped you with. Yeah, I mean, I, I've talked about the importance for mentorship and sponsorship uh, and how I've benefited for that, from that in my career. Um, and I'm a very big proponent of having multiple mentors um, and taking advice um, for what it's worth, and um, thinking about how advice could be applicable. So you sort of take the good out of whatever the, the experience is or, or the advice is, um, that you can usually find something um, that you can take with you. Um, and I learned that, you know, I remember talking to someone who um, I actually haven't spoken to in a long time. I met him at a conference, and he he talked to me about making sure that every experience I had was like I was taking tools, like putting it in like a tool belt. And that visual stuck with me all the time. So that even when there is something tough happening, I'm trying to think of what I can learn you know, from the experience so that I don't make that same mistake or that I do better the next time. And I think that um, 
that advice from a lot of people um, and mentoring from a lot of people um, that has really, again, been instrumental in my career. How, what role does mentorship uh, and sponsorship play at Shipman? I know you said it's evolved over the years. Yeah. So we um, just actually reimagined our mentoring program two years ago um, where we wanted to get people, um, lawyers um, who are more junior, to identify goals that they wanted to work on. Um, and then we tied people, mentors, to those goals. So that way, if your goal was learning a particular area, then we would give you a mentor who was sort of in line in that. If your goal was to be more comfortable uh, in marketing and business development, then we, we would tie you to someone who is already naturally doing that or has built that. Um, and I think that that has been very successful. Um, and we just talked recently about revisiting those pairings because it doesn't mean that that's your mentor forever. Right? In other words, there might be new goals and, um, and new relationships that we can help um, support. And the way we support that is we, we, make, we gave you know, sort of tips to the mentors about how to make sure the relationship is productive and helpful. Um, we um, subsidize or we say we'll support you taking them out for coffee and lunch and dinner. Um, we support mentoring lunches, you know, uh, so it, it is something that we expect. And I, and I really make it clear to our partners that it's an expectation um, because it's important for succession. It's important for the viability of any business to make sure that you're sort of bringing in the next group. And the way you do that is you mentor people. Um, you teach them how to lead. You teach them how to be better lawyers. Um, you teach them how to show up as their best selves. Um, and I think that's part of our role as the leaders of the firm. Do you think it also helps create an environment for people that they want to continue to come to work? Absolutely. Not, not just growing, yeah. firm, but also you know, be present. Absolutely. You know, I added this year to our evaluations for lawyers, for the associates, um, to name someone, a partner who's been helpful to you. Um, and reading those comments, uh, you know, I don't read everybody's evaluation, but I specifically asked for the responses to those questions um, so that I just kind of wanted to see what people would say. And I was struck by how affirming it was um, that, and there were so many people, right? Um, there were some names that came up a lot, which suggested to me that there were people, our, some of our partners were really carrying a heavy load in terms of mentoring, but it makes it better for those lawyers or those employees if they can identify someone who has been helpful to them and who continues to be and who can support them through you know, whatever their growth might be. So I actually do think it improves the culture, it improves your wanting to go to work. <laughs> it helps you when you're making decisions about your life, um, if this is a place that people care about you and want you to do well. Um, and who listen to you, so agreed. And you said you've had a number of mentors over yes. the years. Have, do you think that they've helped you become a good leader too? Absolutely. Um, you know, one of my, my mentors, um, she runs an excellent meeting, like with an agenda <laughs> and with, um, she will assign people speaking roles. Um, which I think is very effective. And it wasn't like it was a surprise. It was like it's an opportunity to shine in a room. Yeah. Um, I am not great on agendas. But I am, because I've been practicing, 
giving people opportunities to lead in the room, to speak, to do the research, to be the expert on something. Um, and that was something I learned from one of my mentors, was how to do that in a way that wasn't very, you know, it's not a showy, it's not, it's just, we're just making sure that everyone gets a chance. Um, and that helps build better leaders. And so for me, um, that is one of the tips that I've gotten from uh, a mentor. And I think it's made me a better leader. Interesting. Yeah. All those, you know, little tidbits that you just kind of take with you. It doesn't have to be some overarching thing. No. You know, just one small change. It is. And, you know, paying it forward is very important to me. Um, I would like to be, I think, a better mentor because I think of how I've been enriched. Um, so um, making myself available to, um, you know, others, um, frankly, at all levels of the firm, I think is one of the most important things I could do. Um, mentoring people, you know, asking what's your, what's your goal and then how can I help you get there? Um, explaining things that maybe people aren't usually willing to talk about. Um, I, I try to make sure that I'm offering those mentoring opportunities for people as well um, because I'm now the person that I think people think knows something <laughs> um, and I know some to share and I'm still learning so I, I'll never give up my mentors because you know, I, I think you'll always keep learning about how to do it better. You're a very busy woman. You've yeah. worked hard. Um, you're still going. What yeah. do you think is, is something that, like, you know, a lesson or a piece of advice? You know, there are several. Um, I think being open. Um, and that's really just another way of saying be flexible. Um, that there isn't a, uh, you must do X to get Y, right? That there are many ways to kind of get there. Um, and I, I think that my yeses and being open have, have, have led to where I am right now. And so I would encourage people to, to do that. Um, if I hadn't been open, I might have been an English professor. <laughs> I might have been maybe miserable. Um, so I, I think being open, um, especially when the feedback is not something you might want to hear, is, is important. Um, I have now adopted a uh, new rule and it's not so new, I've been doing it for the last several years, is that I only plan about five years out because I, I don't think if everyone looks back at their life, most people are doing something different <laughs> than what they thought they would be doing in year six. So I, I just really don't put that pressure. I just figure I'm doing what I'm doing now. I'm very committed to it. I love it. Um, I was loving it when I was practicing, whatever it is. Uh, do not set this path that's like a 30-year path because, one, you're unlikely to actually do that. And two, you want to leave yourself open. Like what, what if something, there's another decision to be made in year three? And you want to be able to have the grace and the flexibility to make those decisions. Um, and my final piece is that you're in charge. <laughs> and I think a lot of people sort of, um, they, they give away their power. Um, for decision-making over their lives, that they feel that life happens to them, work happens to them. And I um, absolutely reject that. I think that I am in charge, uh, and the things that I don't control, because I don't control everything, I'm in charge of how I respond to this. Uh, it makes life a lot more, um, I feel more agency over my life, um, and I, I encourage people to think of it as we are faced with choices every day. Um, and when you're the person making the choices, it makes it easier to get through stuff that might be hard um, because there are going to be hard things every day.
So that's my advice. Well, thank you. I think that's a, a great piece of advice, especially, you. you know, for myself, who's a planner. Um, <laughs> yes. And always has to remind myself. You should plan. <laughs> Just maybe not year six to ten. <laughs> uh, well, it. thank you so much for, you, you know, being on this episode of the BizCast. Thank and you. we are really looking forward to hearing more from you. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. I hope I made good sense. <laughs> thank you. And thank you for listening to this week's BizCast. You can listen, like, and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review and let us know if you have ideas for a future podcast. For a full list of episodes, head on over to CBIA.com.